What's up, everybody? Today, with Trade Podcast is back. Um, it's been like a week since the last time I recorded an episode, but the podcast will never die. So, what was the last time I recorded an episode for you guys? Well, June 9th was the last time I recorded an episode for you guys. And today is June 21st. So, it's been... I can't count. It's been 12 days. It's been nearly two weeks since I recorded an episode, but the podcast will never die. Neither will I. I'm going to live to, I'm going to live forever. This is like that moment. I told myself I was going to, when I was going to record this episode, I was like, when I record this episode, I'm going to put in that little snippet from Thor Ragnarok when he's like, so much has happened since I saw you. It was a horrible Thor impression, but you get the point. So much has happened since I last saw you guys. Um, we got the NBA draft coming up. Do a little snippet on that because I don't. I'm not really here for the. Well, I'm here for the NBA draft. But I'm not here for like NBA draft like projections or whatever because most of the kids that are drafted are like 19, 18, 19, 20 years old, and it's gonna take them three, three, four years to like fully blossom unless you're like those Kevin Durant types to where it's like it just comes natural for you. So, like, the guys like Trey Young, even Michael Porter Jr., probably Mo Bamba, like, those kind of guys, like, they're 19, 20 years old, but it's going to take them, like, three or four years to, like, really blossom, so I won't put too much stock into, like, where people are drafted, like, who drafts them, and, like, who, like, who was drafted, because it's going to take them a while to, like, be really good. I did tell myself um, that this episode, I'm going to make sure I do a snippet on uh, New York Mets pitcher Jacob Degrom. I know most of the people that listen to the podcast probably don't watch baseball, but like what I have to do, what I have to say about Jacob Degrom is like the numbers you're gonna hear about Jacob Degrom are staggering. Like when I look at the numbers for this man, I'm sitting here wondering like what like what is going on in Queens? <laughs> like what are they doing to this guy? I got that. Um, I don't know what else I'm gonna talk about because I haven't done a podcast in like literally two almost two weeks yeah it's been almost two weeks since the last time i did a podcast so whatever happens happens and you're here for another episode of the today with trade podcast let's get it started fellas and ladies and gentlemen i couldn't tell not from a verb but i could sell wings to a bird i could sell text to a shirt asking me if you got tickets for sure i don't know i'm not sure you just got hit with the curve I didn't know that girl is yours Said that she don't got a boyfriend for sure I grabbed the ass and she called me a perv Opened the leg so I had to insert Make my Okay, so since the NBA draft is to Today, Thursday Since the NBA draft is today, we're gonna start That's where we're gonna start My buddy Joseph Joseph Colley on Twitter um, Let me find his handle real quick that way you guys can follow him on Twitter. He's a great follow on Twitter. He's one of my good friends. Um, his Twitter handle is at Joseph Colley. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, at underscore Joseph Colley. Um, Joseph, spelled like you're supposed to spell Joseph, and then C-O-L-L-E-Y. If you follow Joseph, he's a good follow on Twitter. He's a smart kid. Um, I say kid because he's younger than me, but, to, I mean, he's not really, he's a, he's, he only say kid because he's younger than me, so... We're all adults here, but Joseph, good buddy of mine, he's a good follow. He's a Kings fan. As a Kings fan, I talked to him about who they're going to pick, and obviously me and him are on the same page of who 
we want the Kings to pick. We want the Kings to pick Michael Porter Jr. Now, I've seen Michael Porter Jr. for like a long time. I, I obviously when he moved out towards um, Missouri and all over and over in the um, Columbia, closer to Columbia, Missouri. I didn't get to watch him as much, but when he was growing up, him because him and my younger brother are a year apart. My brother is a year older than MPJ. But when they were growing up, they used to play AAU basketball against each other. They'd have games against each other. And let me tell you, Michael Porter Jr. used to eat my brother alive. He won't. Not just my brother. used to eat the entire team alive. So, <laughs> Michael Porter Jr. has been, like, the real deal since day one. Him and uh, Bull Bull. Um, Bull Bull used, used to eat my brother's team alive. Used to eat specifically my brother alive because they had to guard each other. But, yeah, but back to Michael Porter Jr. MPJ, he had the back injury in Missouri, and even back when, you know, he had the injury and it was said he was going to miss the entire season, even though he didn't miss the entire season, even though when they said he was going to miss the entire season, the NBA GMs, like, still had a consensus, like, if he comes to the combine and P-draft workouts and, like, everything leading up to the NBA draft, he's still going to be a top-five pick if he's healthy. That back checks out. Back in October, November, when he had the injury, back then, like if draft scouts, draft scouts and GM said, if that back checks out when we get to uh, May and June, and yeah, when we get to May and June, if that back checks out, <laughs> he's still a top five pick regardless, because the kid is a pure scorer. The dude is he's a legitimate scorer. Like the, you can, the comparisons to Kevin Durant are legitimate and. I don't blame I don't blame the people who have the comparison who give him the comparisons to uh, Kevin Durant because they're right the kid's a bona fide scorer when he's healthy and I remember he had a quote and he said he's a more physical Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant's kind of a finesse player but I mean his physicality has gone up in recent years since he got to Golden State I don't know I mean his physicality's gone up more on the defensive end than offensively but I mean I would I venture to believe. MPJ when he says his game is like, I'm, I mean, I'm not totally on board with a more physical version of Kevin Durant, but I mean, he's got, I can see the similarities between him and Kevin Durant when I watch them play. So when you're talking about MPJ at the, the Kings have the number two pick, Kings have a number two pick. I'm surprised they even got the number two pick. Like that's kind of crazy. But when the Kings got the number two pick, it was like, who are we going to take? I don't want them to take Marvin Bagley because they have Harry Giles. And I know Joseph's not on board with um, Willie Colleystein, but And neither am I. I've never been on board with Willie Colleystein, But, I mean, it it is what it is. And so that's who the Kings are going to roll with. If the Kings are going to roll with my, uh, Willie Colleystein, then that's who they're going to roll with. And there's nothing that I can do about it from the outside world because I'm not one of the GMs for the Kings. Even though I was never on board with that pick. But... They don't really need Marvin Bagley because they got enough big men on the roster. They need a wing player. They don't like. <laughs> they don't have a legitimate wing. A wing player. They have uh, Bogdan, but he's a shooter. He's not like he's not gonna. He's not gonna create his own baskets or anything like that. And Michael Porter Jr. He's gonna create his own buckets, and that's exactly what they need. They got the point guard and De'Aaron Fox. They got Buddy Hill at shooting guard. They have Scalabissier, they have Willie Cauley-Stein, they have um, Harry Giles. Um, I, I think Zebo's there for another year. 
just to kind of show the young kids around because, you know, Zebo's getting kind of old. But you got Zebo there for, I think, another year. I think he's under contract for this next season. So, I mean, they have pieces there, young guys mixed with veterans, and they traded away George Hill. And But they don't have a wing player. That's the one, that's the one thing they don't have is a wing score. And Michael Porter Jr. could be that wing score for them. Now, the problem the Kings are running into is that the fact that I don't think anybody has the assets or the the want to to trade up to to leapfrog the Kings and get to the number one pick, which the Phoenix Suns currently own, and I doubt the Phoenix Suns will give up the number one pick. It's probably not happening because they're going to take DeAndre Ayton. Um, but um, what was I going to say? So I don't think the Kings have much to worry about in terms of teams trying to leapfrog them to take Michael Porter Jr. But I mean, there's been talks of the Knicks. Um, the Knicks trading up to take Michael Porter Jr. Should the Kings pass on MPJ? Um, the Knicks are also a team in need of a wing scorer and a wing playmaker in general. Um, but in my opinion, I was I was writing about this yesterday. Not, not yesterday, the other day on Fansided, the website I write for. And there was rumors about the Kings possibly, I mean, not the Kings, but the Knicks possibly trading from their number nine pick up in the draft. Now, the, originally the Originally, the rumors were that they were trying to trade up to take Michael Porter Jr., but then the rumors came out that the Knicks um, were they had they met with uh, Mo Bamba out of Texas, and that they they like Mo Bamba. Now Mo Bamba is projected to be the fifth pick, which is where the Dallas Mavericks pick, and the Mavericks would be likely to take Bamba if he's there, and the Knicks don't leapfrog the Mavericks. If the Knicks leapfrog the Ma- leapfrog the Mavs and the Kings take MPJ, I would venture to guess that the Knicks would take Mo Bamba because pairing Mo Bamba with Kristaps um, Porzingis would be an absolute nightmare for any NBA front court. It doesn't matter who you have. The Anthony they I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right now on my pod. I'm gonna say this right now on my podcast. You can take it take it however you want. Put it out there. I'm, I'm just going to put this out there. If the Knicks were to leapfrog the Mavs at five and get to the number four, number three pick, whatever pick it was, and Mo Bamba's there and they take and the Knicks take Mo Bamba, I think that they can have a better front court than what the Pelicans had in DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis. I think KP and Bamba would be better than Cousins and Davis because <laughs> Cousins is... Cousins is probably the best center in the NBA. No doubt about it. I have no, like, most people would agree with me when I say that Cousins is probably the best center in the NBA. But Mo Bamba is a special breed. Mo Bamba is, what, seven foot, seven one, with an eight foot wingspan. And then, according to his workout videos, I don't know if it, I, it's remained it's, uh, to be seen if it translates to an actual, to the actual court. Obama's hitting threes like it's nobody's business. He's stepping into three-point shots like it's just a 15-foot jumper for him. So, if you pair Kristaps with Mo Bamba, I think that could be better than Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. Um, we'll touch on I'll touch on DeMarcus Cousins here real quick as a perfect segue. Um, this is also a topic me and Joseph have been talking about in the fact that DeMarcus Cousins is a free agent. The Pelicans probably doesn't look like they want to give um, the Cousins a max contract. I don't know why you wouldn't give Cousins a max contract, but I mean, that's on them. 
So if they don't give Cousins the max contract and Cousins is like, well, I want the max contract and you're going to and I'm going to get the max contract, whether I have to stay in New Orleans or not. I think me and Joseph are, are pretty, pretty convinced. I should say convinced. I don't know if that's the right word. We're pretty convinced that there is a real possibility that Cousins ends up back in Sacramento. Um, the conversations I've had with Joseph—I mean, I mean—you hear me say Joseph's name a lot. Like, I don't—I usually don't talk about a lot of people on this podcast. Like, um, a lot of people outside in the outside world that I talk to, just because. I mean, they're not here on the podcast with me, so I don't like to speak for them. But like, Joseph's one of the smartest people I've met. I haven't officially met him, but like, Joseph's one of the smartest people I know, and um, the people that he knows. Is ridiculous. This man knows so many people, but the car, like I said, the conversations we've had and the stuff he's shown me and like the the people that he knows, it's like, damn, Marcus Cousins could really end up back in Sacramento, and like, and we would, me and him wouldn't really be shocked about it. I mean, I would, I wouldn't have been shocked, regardless. After, I mean, regardless, even if Joseph hadn't shown me the stuff, but now that Joseph showed me the stuff, I'm like. Well, Jesus, if he ends up back in Sacramento, this could be a problem because you'd have DeMarcus Cousins. You, if they, if they had it, if they really had a shot, if they really felt like they had a shot at DeMarcus Cousins, they'd probably take MPJ at the number two pick, which I think they'd take regardless if they if they were going to get Cousins or not. But like you put Cousins, MPJ, Fox, um, Giles, Scal, and Frank Mason, like this is. And Buddy Hill, that's a really solid core of young guys that could possibly get something done in the future. And if Cousins is on a max contract, he's there for four or five years. And four or five years, and I mean, they wouldn't even take the four or five years. And two to three years, Sacramento's looking at contending for a playoff spot in the Western Conference. And the Western Conference is about to get really serious here in the next two to three years. Like the Western Conference is, the competition in the Western Conference is about to get really serious because obviously you have the guys at the top: Houston, Golden State, Oklahoma City. Um, who else is at the top? I guess Utah will be on the rise. I don't know how they're going to look in the second next season. Um, whether last season was kind of like, a, I wouldn't say a fluke, but it was a kind of an anomaly, or if it was a real deal. But then you got I mean, obviously, add Utah. Memphis is going to get better because they, they were missing Mike Conley the entire year, and Marcus Hall was basically playing by himself. And they're also missing Wayne Selden the entire year. And say what you want about Wayne Selden, he's become a really, really, really solid, uh, really solid professional player. So the Western Conference is about to get really serious in the next two or three years. And if the Kings can get Demarcus Cousins, and you pair him with the young guys, and you're all of a sudden you're looking at contention with. You know, the rest of the West Conference, you may not get, obviously, they might not be probably not fighting for the top three seeds, but you're fighting for a six, seven, eight seed and six, seven, eight seeds still the playoffs. And obviously, the Lakers, I think, whether or regardless if the Lakers get, you know, the LeBron James sweet stakes or, you know, quiet trade for Kawhi Leonard or, you know, they're able to bring in Paul George, I think, regardless of that, like their young core is. They're ready to take steps here in the next couple of years. You know, Kyle Kuzma, Julius Randle, um, Lonzo Ball. Say what you want about Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is like he's a legitimate point guard. Ten seven and seven doesn't you don't you don't find ten seven and seven lying on the street. You don't find ten seven and seven from a rookie out on the street. You just don't. 
because especially from the point guard position, you're not finding that just lying on the street. You're not going to find that in the second round. You're not going to find that late first round. Like that's 1077 is like his lottery is that's, that's good numbers for where he was drafted at number two um, last year. So hate on, hate on Lonzo, hate on the big baller brand. The numbers he put up last year were solid numbers for a rookie. They were, I'm assuming you said solid. They were really good numbers for a rookie. That knee injury kind of slowed him down a little bit at the end of the year, but hopefully, you know, the health thing won't be a problem here in the future. But uh, back to the draft. Well, like I said, we got you got Aiden at one. You got MPJ at two. I don't know who picks three. The Grizzlies pick at four, and they might be looking to trade out of that pick, which could be the next opportunity to leapfrog the Mavs at five to take Bamba. Um, but the Knicks would have to take Chandler Parsons' contract because that's if the Knicks were gonna, tra- I mean, not the Knicks, but the Grizzlies were gonna trade that pick. Like that's it. They've they've made it a point. Well, they shouldn't say. Excuse me, I shouldn't say they've made it a point. Like it's everybody knows if they're gonna trade them before pick. Like you need to take that Chandler Parsons' contract. The man's making the man's set to make close to fifty million, like pretty much fifty million for the next two years, and he's only played seventy games in the last two seasons. So I'm not paying Chandler Parsons. Well, the Grizzlies aren't going to pay Chandler Parsons $50 million to not play, but 70 games. I even play a full season in two years. Man hasn't played a full season in two years. I need the, the, that knee injury has like really, really fucked things up for the, the Grizzlies since he's, since they brought him over. The Grizzlies, like they, they brought him over with the intentions of playing him and they had pretty high hopes for him. So, um, if the Grizzlies trade that number four pick, you you can expect Chandler Parsons to go wherever the Grizzlies. You can expect Chandler Parsons to go with that number four pick. So, um, <laughs> there's so much with the draft. Like I'm not. This first ten picks are kind of like they're kind of moot. I mean, you kind of know what's going on at one. You kind of have a feeling what's going on at two. Um, Luka Don Luka Doncic. Um, you kind of have a feeling he's going to go top five. I don't know where um, he could go. So, but I have a feeling he's going to go in top five. After that, it's kind of moot. I'm only really here for, I'm really here for the draft day trades, and I'm kind of interested in see what the Spurs do with Kawhi Leonard and see if anything happens with him um, on draft night. So, there's just so much that can. I mean, the NBA draft is unique because. Unlike the NFL, unlike baseball, unlike hockey, like if you're on the trading block during the, if you're on the trading block during the during the trade deadline in the regular season and they're trying to and your team is trying to move you in the off season, like the draft day is the day to get it done. That's what it seems like in the NBA. Like if you're gonna get traded during the off season, draft day is the day to do it. So it'd be interesting to see. I know, obviously, like I just mentioned, Chandler Parsons is a guy that's on the chopping block. The chopping block. He's on the trade block on this draft on draft day um, on Thursday, which is today. So Chandler Parsons is on the on the trade block. It'd be interesting to see like who else. I I don't think Mitch Kupchak, Mitch Kupchak would trade Kimball Walker and start a rebuild, but. If Mitch Kupchak's going to trade for Timofey Mozgov after it's been proven that he's not worth a damn on an NBA roster, um, I wouldn't put it past him to trade Kimball Walker and just start from scratch. And you have Malik Monk. After Malik Monk, the Charlotte Hornets don't really have much outside of Kimball Walker. Nicholas Batum is like, 
sucking the life out of the salary cap just to be average. And after they, they gave him a ton of money after the years he had in Portland, and the Charlotte Hornets gave Nicholas Batum so much money to not do anything. And then you have Kimba Walker, who's an all-star player. And then Malik Monk, who was Steve Clifford, benched this guy because he's, I mean, <laughs> benched him because he, I mean, I guess he didn't like his defense, but like he's not, you have to play him. He's there, he was what? Malik Monk was what, the number eight pick or something like that last in last year's draft? Like, it's your number eight pick. You have to play this guy. Regardless if, like, his defense wasn't up to par. Nobody, no rookie's defense is really up to par in the NBA. Like, regardless of the system. Like, I mean, there are guys individually, like, whose defense is, like, who are defensive players. Like, there are guys like that in the draft. There are guys like that in the NBA. But even then, like, you have to get used to, one, you're guarding NBA players and not college players. And, two, you have to get adjusted to your team's defensive scheme. So, you have to... It's one thing to be a great individual defensive player, but it's another thing to be a great team defender. Like Kawhi Leonard, he's a fantastic individual defender, probably the best in the NBA, but he's also a great team defender. Like he knows what the defense like he knows what they're trying to do on defense. And like for those of you that think basketball, NBA basketball defense is like fives at the at your local YMCA. It's really not like teams spend hours and hours and hours on like their defensive schematics. That's why the Spurs are so great because they're so technical. Like you think they do you think they win fifty games a year by you know just playing YMCA defense and just, you know pick up your man and like we'll call switches or whatever. Like no, they have a plan. Everybody has a plan set in place every every night. You like and you have to execute that plan. It's probably just like why Malik Monk wasn't playing like he had struggled executing that plan but he can't execute the plan if he doesn't he you he can't get better at executing the plan if he doesn't play so it'll be interesting to see what happens on draft night I don't know what's going to happen actually I'll be at work honestly <laughs> I'll be at work honestly when the draft's on so you guys will just have to fill me in on what happens during the draft I know uh, you guys got my back um but we'll see what happens. Hopefully the Kings take MPJ at number two. Um, and then we'll see what the Knicks do. My dad's a Knicks fan, so I'm and like I'm really rooting for the Knicks to actually do something smart with this pick because they really have no choice but to get this pick right. And for those of you that think they should take Trey Young are certified stupid because the Knicks have like I said, the Knicks have no choice but to make this pick count. This pick has to work. Otherwise, they're fucked for the next half decade. Like, this pick has to work. And picking Trey Young is, like, the ultimate crapshoot ever. Like, okay, it might, like, there's a chance it works out, and Trey Young is the next Stephen Curry. And there's also a chance that this doesn't work, and you just wasted your number nine pick, or if the Knicks were stupid enough to trade up to take Trey Young, even though he would be there at nine. If they were stupid enough to trade up a few spots and still take Trey Young, you just wasted A, your lottery pick, which was higher than number nine, and B, you wasted whatever assets it took you to get that number nine pick. So the Knicks, like the, <laughs> the Knicks really have no choice but to make sure this pick counts. And I and Trey Young is not the answer. I would like I said, if the Knicks find a way to 
trade up and MPJ is there and they take him, that's a win. If the Knicks trade up and take Mo Bamba, that's a win. If they don't trade up and they're still stuck in number nine, like you might as well take like Mikhail Bridges or Miles Bridges or if Miles Bridges is still there, you might as well you might as well trade up and take one of those guys because picking Trey Young is not going to work for the Knicks. It, it'll put butts in the seat, possibly. <laughs> it'll put butts in the seat for the first 20 some odd games if he's like really electrifying like if he has the Lynn Sanity experience it'll put butts in the seats then but then after 20 games and if he starts to falter and he starts to look like a bum and looks like a bust then you're in trouble because you just wasted whatever pick you just wasted whatever pick you took him at and you wasted whatever assets if you if you gave up assets to get him so the Knicks got to make this work and it's that simple you don't have a choice um but that's all I got for the NBA draft. We'll talk a little bit more after the draft and after we see where guys go. Um, but now I was, I'm like really excited to talk about this. I'm like really, I'm like as I'm sitting here, I'm like pulling the numbers up on my phone and like getting them ready right now because I'm like so excited to talk about Jacob DeGrom and what the Mets, the Mets are like, the Mets are doing this man dirty. You'll hear about it in the next segment. We'll be right back. All right. As I said, we're gonna talk up a little bit of baseball. I haven't I've done like zero baseball all season, and it's like it's eating at me that I haven't done it. Even though I know most people don't even like baseball like that, but so Jacob Degrom, New York Mets pitcher, thirty years old. I'm surprised Degrom is thirty years old. Like he, it feels like he's older. He feels like he's he's younger than that. But I'm just gonna give you like the lowdown real quick, and he started. From, Made 15 starts. He had a missed start because he sprained his elbow swinging the bat. That's another story for another day. But 15 starts, 5-2 and two record, a 1.51 ERA, and 95 innings pitched, and a .99 whip. Those are all, like, fantastic numbers. Um, I remember, let's see, DeGrom... Player of the month, even though he didn't win it. I'm trying to find this tweet that I had that I seen. Let's see. Because there was one month, there was one month, Max Scherzer. It was last month. It was the other month of May. Max Scherzer won player of the month. And Max Scherzer had like a one one five ERA or something like that during the month of May. Really good. One five ERA. I mean, that'll win anybody player of the month. But it shouldn't win you player of the month when in the month of May. <laughs> like I said, Max Scherzer had like that one five ERA for the month of May, one pit not player of the month, one pitcher of the month. One National League pitcher of the month was that one five ERA. In the month of May, Jacob deGrom had a .69 ERA and somehow didn't win player of the month. Do you want to know why he didn't win player of the month? That is because in the month of May, Jacob deGrom was 1-0 and in five starts. Five starts, 1-0. and Only had one decision in those five starts. He was on, okay, so what happened was deGrom, let's see, what did he do? He had, so he had a game against Atlanta on May 2nd. This was probably why he didn't win Player of the Month, but on May 2nd, he had a start against the Atlanta Braves, and that was the start where he sprained his elbow swinging the bat. So then he had 
had to go on the DL, only missed one start, came back against Philly in his first start against Philly, threw 45 pitches in the first inning because everybody kept fouling pitches off and ran his pitch count through the roof. So he only pitched one inning, and it was his first start, first, first start back from the DL still so, I mean, you got to protect Jacob DeGrom. You got to protect him. So one inning. Comes back against Arizona, one start, goes seven innings, six hits, one run. Comes back the next start against Miami, seven innings, four hits, no runs. Um, let's see. And then he comes back, first final start in May against Atlanta. Again, seven innings, five hits, one run. <laughs> so, comes back, has the game where he gets hurt, comes back, has the 50 pitch, basically 50 pitch inning, and then reels off three straight starts of seven innings and one run or fewer. That'll definitely get you a .69 ERA. So, and then in the month of June, so far, today's June 21st. In the month of June so far, Jacob DeGrom has a 1-2 and two record. And <laughs> he has a 1-2 and two record, but you got to hear this. June 2nd, starts against the Cubs, which is on Sunday Night Baseball, I believe. Seven innings, seven hits, one run. 13 strikeouts. Um... They start against the Yankees, eight innings, three, four hits, two runs. Uh, one of them was well, he gave up three runs, but um, two of them, only two of them were earned. He gave up the one run he gave up was the first run he gave up was un, unearned because I watched this entire game because I had to see Jacob Degrom. I had to see him watch this entire game. The first run was unearned off. I can't remember what happened that led to the unearned run, but then he blows mowing the Yankees down like putting they punch out after play. he had yeah eight eight punch outs and was just picking them up putting them down and it was just just mowing through the lineup and then in the eighth inning he gave up two run home right to Aaron Judge and it was a tie game it was like a one one game at that point it's a tie game and the Mets basically blew it for him. Uh, he didn't, they didn't blow it for him. He gave up two run home runs to Judge, and then and that kind of like solidified his loss because the Yankees weren't losing after that. Um, and he goes against Atlanta on June thirteenth, seven innings, seven hits, one run. And his last start against Colorado in Colorado, mind you. So you know, Coors, <laughs> yeah, Coors goes to Colorado, eight innings, five hits, two runs, only one of them earned. So his ERA for the month of June so far is not here. And I do not have the worth, the mathematical wherewithal to calculate this ERA so far. Um, I lied. It's right here. <laughs> his ERA for the month of June so far is 1.51. So his ERA for April was 2.14, 0.69 for May, and then it's 1.50 for this month. And Overall, his record is 5-2 and two with a 1.51 ERA, like I said. So, let's add this all up. In all of Jacob DeGrom's starts, let's see. In Jacob DeGrom's starts, he has 15 starts. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 of his 15 starts. Oh, that didn't look right. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 of his 15 starts have... Ah, uh, there he goes. I'm just okay. I cannot count. I am so sorry, guys. I can't. I just can't count. In Jacob Degrom's 15 starts: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve of his 15 starts have been one earned run or fewer. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Let's see. And then only 
two of his starts so far this season have ended with him giving up two or more. I'm not sorry. I'm stupid. Only three of his starts so far this season have ended with him giving up two or more runs. So he's had 12 of his 15 starts. What, what, what percentage is that? It's it's close to 80%. It's close. To, that's pretty much 80% of his starts have ended with him giving up one or fewer runs, but the bullpen can't hold leads. Bullpen for the Mets can't hold leads and, you know, things like that. So it brings up the question. Um, the Mets have already decided that they're going, they're open for business and like they're taking trade offers for people. They haven't specifically named people they're taking trade offers for, but they've already lead, they've already DFA'd Adrian Gonzalez to get Dom Smith back in the lineup. Um, and they want Brandon Nimmo to play right field, which is great. I love Brandon Nimmo. I'm a Yankees fan, diehard to the core Yankees fan. But like, I mean, I just enjoy watching. I enjoy watching Brandon Nimmo. Like Brandon Nimmo is everything that baseball is about. Fun, energetic, you know, plays the game hard. All that good stuff. But so I'm trying to like it. I don't know what the what the Mets should do because I'm gonna look up Jacob Degrom's contract real quick, and like you have a choice, Jacob Degrom contract. So you kind of have a choice what to do with Jacob Degrom because he's 30 years old. Obviously, when you're pitching, as long as you're healthy, as long as your arm is healthy, you're not suffering injuries left and right because. DeGrom's already had Tommy John surgery once, but that was back when he was in college and he was still playing shortstop. And he had um, had a shoulder injury the end of last season, I believe it was. But it wasn't that big. Of a, I mean, it wasn't something that would like totally derail his career. So, I mean, outside of the sprained elbow and that, that like the shoulder injury at the end of last season, like Jacob DeGrom's been a fairly healthy person throughout his career. So that's a plus for anybody that's going to possibly trade for him. And why won't my computer bring up this contract? Uh, I'm trying to bring up the contract. I am so sorry, guys. It is late as I'm recording this because I'm pretty sure, um, I'm pretty sure Jacob DeGrom is under control until 20, is under Mets control, is under Mets control until 2020, I believe, um, believe it is. So if you were to trade him, you would get back a fairly sizable return because anybody's under control for the next two seasons is worth, is going to command a lot in return if you're going to trade for him. So I don't know. Because you yeah, have the Mets have Noah Syndergaard. Like the Mets want to build around Noah Syndergaard and Jacob Degrom because you have two of the best pitchers in baseball, two of the best ten pitchers in baseball probably. And so you have to ask yourself, can we make the playoffs within the next three, four, five years? And the problem with the Mets is that their farm system is decent, but none of the guys in their farm system are are MLB ready or close to big league ready. And by the time they're big league ready, which would be, but there's a difference between being big league ready and like contributing and then consistently contributing at the big league, at the big league level. So if at this point right now, these guys aren't big league ready 
it would take them two to three years to get big league ready, and then it would take them another year or two to be consistently producing at the major at the major league level. And then even then, there's not a guarantee that your your A plus prospect, your number one prospect, is actually going to pan out. You don't get lucky every day like the Yankees did with Glaber Torres, and like, I mean, Glaber Torres is a different story because like you knew Glaber Torres was going to be a stud. So, but maybe guys like Trevor, it'd be a situation like with Trevor Bauer. I'm just, I don't know why I'm using another pitcher for this example. You situation like Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer was not the greatest pitcher. He was not the greatest pitcher when he got into the big leagues. It took him a few years to figure it out, and he's honestly still figuring out. I'm pretty sure he's in his age 28 season or something like that. So, like, it still took him a while to figure it out and like really start to dominate like he is now like he's really starting to dominate and he's been in the league for four four or five years i believe so the mets had to figure out we have noah Syndergaard, we have steven Mets, we have zach wheeler we have jacob Degrom. we want these guys these guys are obviously these guys got us to the world series not zach wheeler but you know harvey Degrom, Syndergaard, Mets. these guys got us to the world series but our roster isn't nowhere near as good as that World Series roster because we didn't have they don't have Daniel Murphy, they don't have Cespedes isn't hurt, wasn't hurt every other week back when they were made the World Series. So they had to decide. Well, like I said, you our 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 farm system guys, while good, the Mets have a fairly they have an above average farm system, they have decent players. While our farm system is like decent and could be good down the road, we have to decide now. By the time Jacob Degrom's thirty-four years old, thirty-three, thirty-four years old, is are we like are these farm system guys going to be contributing on our major league roster by then? Because if they're not, then we're holding on to Jacob Degrom for nothing. It's, you're you're going to turn into a situation what what the Orioles have. Excuse me. You're going to turn this into a situation like the Orioles have with Manny Machado. Now, I don't know why the Orioles didn't realize this, but their farm system has been awful for the last five or so years. Like they have, Their farm system hasn't improved in the five, last five or so years. So while, while they made the year they got, the year the Orioles got beat by the Royals in the playoffs was when it started to go downhill because at that point, for the Orioles, it was kind of like World Series or bust, and they didn't make the World Series, and they didn't have young guys coming up every year, and they were holding on to Manny Machado, Zach, um, Zach Britton, and Brad Brock, and Adam Jones, and all those guys, and they're holding on to them, and it's going downhill for you. And now you have, and now you're at the point where it's like, shit, we're the Orioles are what twenty one and fifty one or something like that. They're they're thirty games under. They're basically out of the race already. So now you're at the point where like, damn, we had a window. Now we have to like you have to literally start all over from scratch because you have to trade Machado. You're probably gonna have to trade Adam Jones because Adam Jones isn't getting any younger, and he's not gonna command the deal that Manny Machado is gonna command. You need to trade Brad Brock. You need to trade Zach Britton. Chris Davis has been absolute trash all season. Pretty sure he's hitting under 200. So now you have to make these trades because you have to restart the farm system. So if the Mets were to hold on to DeGrom, I'm just like DeGrom is the focal point right now because Noah Syndergaard's hurt. 
at the moment. And you, obviously, you can't trade somebody that's hurt, even though Syndergaard would command as much as Degrom does, as far as in trade, as far as trade value. But if the Mets were to be like, "Yeah, screw it, we'll just hold on to him because we're gonna have him under control for 2020, and we can maybe get lucky." It's <laughs> you made the World Series three years ago, and you haven't been back to the playoffs since. So you're kind of you're kind of stuck. So do you trade Degrom, knowing that if you trade Degrom, you're gonna get an A, you're gonna get a couple A prospects, a B prospect, and um, a prospect that's in probably in high A ball right now, or low A ball, rookie ball. So you're going to get the A prospects, you're going to get a B prospect, and you're going to get a prospect that could eventually, maybe, one day be an A prospect um, when you get down the road. Or you hold on to Manny, or you hold on to DeGrom like you, like the Orioles are doing Manny Machado, and you get an a pro- one A prospect, you get one B prospect, and you get one pros- A ball prospect that's either going to surprise everybody or he's just going to be stuck there stuck in your farm system until he decides to retire or you flip him in another deal. That's what's going to happen. So, Jacob McGrom is a 1-5-1 ERA. His stock's never going to be higher than what it is right now because, he's, in my opinion, he's the be- next to Max Scherzer. He's probably, he is the best pitcher in baseball. Max Scherzer is an animal, half animal, but Jacob McGrom right now is one of the two or three best pitchers in baseball, and it's really not that much up for debate, in my opinion, because you have, you have Luis Severino, I can't talk, you have Luis Severino in the, in, for the Yankees, you have um, Max Scherzer for the Nationals, and then after that, it's it's a bunch of A pitchers, but those three are A-plus pitchers. After that, after those three guys, it's a bunch of A pitchers. Now, Clayton Kershaw, when he's healthy, is an A-plus pitcher, so you'd have four on that list. But Clayton Kershaw is not healthy at the moment, so he's he's in that A list with Corey Kluber and um, Justin Verlander. Well, Justin Verlander is at A-plus status right now with his numbers, but you get my point. Like you have the select few A plus pitchers of, I would say four guys right now are A plus pitchers off the top of, off the top of my head. Four guys are A plus pitchers: Degrom, Severino, Scherzer, and Verlander. Those would be the four A plus pitchers, and Kluber and Bauer and, um, God, I I can't think right now. But though the rest of those guys would be, you know, A pitchers. There's nothing wrong with an A pitcher. I take an A pitcher every day of the week, but when you're talking about those four guys, like those four guys are as good as it gets, and at least as good as it gets this season. And most of those four guys, I mean, they're good every year. So, but like this year, they're on another level. So, I mean, I don't know what the Mets. In my opinion, I think the Mets should trade Degrom. Uh, my computer is acting up and will not. I'm getting that 502 bad gateway and anchors not opening up because of an internal server error and everything's just all kinds of whacked out right now. So this is ridiculous, right? So, but I mean, what do the Mets do? Do they trade DeGrom? Do they keep him and hold on to him and starve him like the Mets, like the Orioles are doing to Manny Machado? Or you just go ahead and say, pull the trigger now get the two A prospects, a B prospect, and then an A ball prospect that could turn out to be an A prospect. 
it's like so much to take in and like so many decisions. This is what makes baseball great. I mean, it's like this is what makes trade season in baseball great because anything can happen. Anybody can get dealt and in a moment's notice you can go from a fringe playoff team to a World Series contender. The Yankees made a deal for Sonny Gray last year and they were in game away from the World Series. So <laughs> anything can happen. I'm not I don't know who's gonna be that team that would make the one deal that would take them from wild card team to a game away from the World Series, but that's down the road for another podcast episode. I really have nothing else but I really uh, really have nothing else to talk about. I still need to get I need guests on this show. I know I need to get Christian Willingham on this show. Um but we need some guests on this show. I need a, I need we need outside opinions for the show. It's always great to have outside opinions or secondary opinions. This is like when Kawhi Leonard said, I need to get a second opinion on my thigh and I'm gonna sit out the entire season. I need to get a sit out a second opinion on this podcast or so I can decide whether I need to sit out the season or not. No, I'm just kidding. I would never actually set out the season for this podcast because this podcast is probably going to be the next great podcast that was so self-centered and i'm so sorry oh my god i'm trying not to be self-centered but like just to hype myself up this is probably going to be the next the next best podcast that you will listen to because you're gonna get tired of listening to barstool sports i don't know why you'd listen to barstool barstool sports in the first place but you know whatever except kfc kfc barstool is guy's hilarious i love his uh god that little minutes that two minute segment he does is like the funniest thing on the planet but get guests on the show priority number one i'm trying to get i want to get patrick mahomes on the show so bad like i'm i would i'm going to do whatever it takes to get patrick mahomes on this show i'm just letting you guys know right now patrick mahomes patrick if you're listening to this i will do whatever it takes to get you on this show we need you on this show Chiefs fans need you on this show. The world needs you on this show. So, if anybody can like make that happen, yeah, give me, yeah, hit me up. Um, but that's all I got for you today. We're gonna have so much. There's so so much has happened since I last saw you guys. So I lost my hammer like yesterday. So that's still pretty fresh. <laughs> Oh god, it's late and um rambling. But you already know what this is. This is the Today with Trey podcast. Um leave a rating. Five stars preferably, but if you want to give me three stars, you know, three stars is still passing. It's like C is passing. C is good degrees. Um but five stars is preferred. Leave a comment on the podcast. More importantly, subscribe to the podcast. That way you're notified every time I drop an episode. And as soon as Anchor gets its act together, I will be dropping this podcast episode. But that's it. Subscribe. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a comment. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your aunt, uncle, brother, sister, best friend, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Tell them all about this podcast. Circulate it until Adrian Wojnarowski or Patrick Mahomes hears about the podcast, and then they decide they want to come on this podcast. That's the main goal. The main goal is to blow up and then act like I don't know nobody. So do those things. Um, hope everybody had a happy Father's Day, even though Father's Day was Sunday and today's Thursday by the time this podcast drops. But Happy Father's Day. Um, 
Happy Father's Day to the Big 12. I mean, Bill Self, who was the own, the daddy of the Big 12. But do all those things and then go to work, go to school, and have a good day. I will see you guys next time on the Today with Trey podcast. This is Trey Day signing off. Until next time, and I have more bad Avengers lines. Even though that yeah. wasn't Avengers, it was yeah. Thor. But I will see you guys next time. Will I make it? I don't know. From the bottom of my heart, I swear to God, I gotta blow. This for every time the world told me no. If I don't make it in this game, I ain't got nowhere else to go. From the drama to the hoes, from the records to the shows, I gotta make it. And if they don't give me what I deserve, then I'ma take it. I've been underrated, underestimated, and hated. But I can't wait to look back and say that I made it. Cause nowadays, everyone's a rapper and I